0: Block Talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host Lorraine Nighthart, and you've reached Venus Unplugged. And what we do with this uh, Block Talk Radio is discussing uh, the Venusian energy, the archetype of Venus, Eros, uh, psyche, and what we've been exploring for the last couple of weeks is uh, from the book Ion. Uh, by Columne. And um, we are going to be talking about the symbol of the fishes. And uh, the previous episode was on Christ as a symbol of the self. So I wanted to mention that uh, often in dreams we'll dream of a double or something, the number two will come up or we'll dream a motif uh, twice and sometimes even the choice is the opposite. So any time in a dream uh, that we dream of a double or two or a, a something repeats itself, a symbol repeats itself, or a uh, scene repeats itself in the dream time, okay, uh, that's something that is it's letting you know something is within your psyche is trying to come over the border from the unconscious, the collective unconscious, which is the realm of the archetypes, into full consciousness. And then eventually they turn out to be one. So when we have uh, something that uh, in the dream looks like it's its opposite, or why am I dreaming that twice, be alert, because certain things are about ready to spring up in your life. Um, and uh, so the symbol of, Christ, of course, what I'm discussing here is the, um, not necessarily the historical figure of Christ, but the figure of the symbol of Christ as the symbol of um, Christ consciousness, the first archetypal uh, image of a whole person and it's a symbol of the self. So this parallel is drawn between Christ and the self, and it's not to be taken anything more than a psychological, just as the fish is mythological. So I'm not discussing the historical uh, story, but the uh, symbolic story of the symbol of the self and the ancients, uh, They had illuminated the image of Christ with the symbol of the fish, just as the alchemist had the stone. But these symbols in alchemy, the Christ uh, is seen as the lapis, and that's a big thing in alchemy, the stone. And usually this stone is not bright and shiny. It's kind of ordinary, which uh, a lot of times, particularly in you know, spiritual dimensions. We want the bright and shiny and the angels and starry lights and everything. But the stone comes as this ordinary stone, very often overlooked, which I think is a huge hint in moving towards individuation or wholeness. Sometimes the most ordinary uh, symbol or sometimes the most ordinary experience in our life. It just doesn't, it's kind of, Brown, beige—it's not really shiny. But pay attention because if it's disturbing, or it's moving, or it's questioning, uh, it has one question: like, what was that about? Right? Uh, mm, take the hint. Search further. Now, the, this work of individuation and is—it's a lifelong work. We're always exploring and becoming, and why I'm choosing this particular book, Ion, uh, by Jung, is because I think it's really one of his most important works because he really goes into the importance of what's called the tension of the opposites. Uh, And this is what's also going on in our world. What are the opposites that are happening in our personal lives? Now, if we don't take the hint symbolically and do the inner work, it is going to show up in your life in a rather rude manner. Because when psyche wants to be uh, seen, recognized, communicated with, uh, just plain, respected, if we disregard that, the only other option is to show up in our life in some whacked-out experience or an illness or nightmares or relationship. Ships go hooey and all that kind of stuff. So that's why shit happens in our life. It is not, it is to wake us up. It's not persecution. It's the pain of awakening. So if we ask, why does this keep on happening? Need to look a little deeper to the symbolic meaning, or where is there an opposite going on in your life um, so that you can make it conscious because that is the drive of uh, psyche to become whole so when we look at uh, Christ as the archetype of the self it's, you see it's an act of the self is a- as the active ingredient. And that's why Christ is considered the symbol of the self. Not the only symbol of the self, but the one that's predominant in our Judeo-Christian world. So one must bear in mind the difference between perfection and completeness. The Christ symbol is an ideal of perfection, whereas the self is far from perfect, but denotes completion is therefore a paradox. So when this archetype predominates, completeness is focused upon us against all our conscious striving, so it's kind of like we get mugged by the divine, and um, that is very important to understand to not just fall down at the first task or you know it's it's okay to get hysterical and it's okay to you know just react, but then, after the first uh, you know, bam or explosion or reaction, then we go a little deeper. What is this about? Because usually uh, we do ask the question, why? And instead of, like, why is this happening to me? It is more about what is the meaning of this happening? What is the symbolic meaning, which isn't logic, it's psyche's logic, and psyche's logic works in the world of symbolism. So it's a real whodunit there, and that's what makes it fun and interesting and and adventurous, not just the answer, the question is one of the most important. So Christ is this figure, is the perfect man who is crucified. So whenever an archetype of the self is constellated, that means it's in our life, it's activated. astrologers can see it as a conjunction or some aspect of of our chart um, announces an archetype is about ready to enter, the planets being the archetypes. Uh, There is somewhat of a crucifixion, and the crucifixion is how we suffer the tension of the opposites, just like in the cross, you know, in the center of the cross is the place where the opposites... That's where the where the, where the drama, where the play is, where the story is, right? So this is very important to understand because a lot of people are suffering, um, I don't think any more so than any time in evolution, but certainly we are asking questions, and uh, so this is means that an archetype of the self is being constantly and we are crucified like Christ. And redemption does not mean that we escape our burden. And only a man who is approaching completeness uh, knows how unbearable man is to himself. So often we crucify ourselves what we collectively believe or we're taught as opposed to what our psyche says. No, I see it differently or you need to walk a different path, um, which to me brings great solace. Suffering, but there's meaning in the suffering. And if there's meaning in the suffering, true meaning that helps us individuate, well, then it is worth it. It's not just crazy stuff happening in our life. And you see, how does this task of individuation, which we're, is imposed by nature, not a spirit, a, but nature itself wants uh, nature herself wants us to grow. So if we do so in a voluntary manner and consciously, we at least are spared uh, It happening against our will in a negative form. So that's a very important. So if we're gonna take a tour of duty in the underworld or drop into hell, take a ladder. The ladder is the consciousness uh, that we can get ourselves out of. Otherwise, it's going to happen unconsciously, and then we, you know, it's it's painful. Until we ask the question, what is occurring? What does my soul, what does psyche demand of me? Otherwise, um, it's way too painful and meaningless. So today, which is the biggest part, I think, of, of, of the Jungian work, today humanity, as never before, is split into apparently irreconcilable halves. The psychological rule says that when an inner situation is not made conscious, it happens outside as fate, and that is to say that the individual remains undivided and does not become conscious of his inner contradictions and then the world must force kind of an act so that we act out the conflict and be torn into opposite halves, which is so much of what is happening in our world. So, yes, it's daunting, but if you take that little piece of yourself and say, okay, I'm going to work out my little piece of opposites here... Is so far-reaching, and that is basically what the work of of, uh, Jung is about: is working that, taking our little part, um, and then being able to suffer the not-knowing. Have to understand the ego, and we love the ego, but you know we only get about forty years out of it, and then. The second adulthood in around 35 starts kicking in and then um, the ego takes a lot of wounding because it is not the self it is uh, an aspect but in the second adulthood the, the, the self starts really coming through All right what does your soul need so this the, there are many stages to the Process of individuation um, now if we if we don't work it out very often, the conflict or the tension of the opposites will happen in the body, so we'll get all sorts of symptoms, and if we can then say, well, if this is part of my individu it do- it doesn't stop it from happening in the body, but very often. Because the body and the soul are one, living, not separate, not abstractions, living. It's like, where is my soul telling me the story or suggesting what it is that I need to make conscious, along with doing the things that will heal us and help us and alleviate? But, you know, that's humanity. If we don't feel the pain, uh, You know, very few people are going to say, well, gee, let me suffer today for, you know, we usually wait for some event to happen in our life, and it always does. But if we take the attitude of, hmm, maybe this is a hint towards my individuation, and we have a very different attitude towards becoming whole, we pay a big price because the payoff is that big. Okay, So, the symbol of the fish, okay, is uh, one of the ancient symbols of Christ. So, why the fish? Uh, the fish is the symbol, for excellent, of what takes us down into the unconscious. And all the symbols of Christ is perhaps the most meaningful in this respect. Or the story of Jonah and the whale, or... The, um, the the, depth of the sea, and there are some mythological stories with the divine, well, the divine Neptune, and that archetype. There is a god at the center of the sea and all these unusual and uh, living beings and uh, it's all symbols of the unconscious, strange and unknowing. So it can be very disturbing. And also we are at the time that we are at, at the end of the eon of Pisces. So every, every 2,000 years, a new, and we're moving into Aquarius. Uh, Jung felt that Aquarius doesn't really start to, uh, well, probably for another 100 years. But it's very interesting. Jung worked out... Um, that we do not move into the fishes until the third millennium. But the first stars of Aquarius are already affecting us. I mean, he did a lot of work in, in this, um, I think I wrote Jan here, so in, this, in his book, The Eon, Under the Sign of the Fishes. He, he goes into a lot of the astrological detail. For those of you that like the language of astrology, I suggest you read that particular chapter because it's, uh, it's fascinating. And he talks about um, that Christ was not born in December, as we think, but the the fish symbol in Christianity has a long prehistory, such as the Babylonian uh, fish god, where it said that fish were called out of the sea to become man. And that mythos. So it is a very widespread symbol, the fish. But here, and I'm going to read it, uh, as it's such a widespread symbol, we need not be surprised as it's turning up in any time in any place, but its sudden activation and early identification with Christ leads one to suspect a further reason, which we find in astrology and indeed as and well-known, Christ was born as at the spring point between Aries, the ram, and Pisces, the fish. And Jung goes into a great deal of astrology here, uh, which you can go read, get the book, Leon, and read it, all that. Uh, so we, I want to mention here that the conjunctio between Jupiter, which is a benevolent star, and Saturn, and again, and in this conjunctio has the meaning of a union of extreme opposites. So, for the you that are involved in astrology, whenever you see that happening in a chart, pay attention because that's where the opposites lie, and that is a huge symbol of the work you have before you. So, in the year 7 BC, this, for instance, this famous conjunctio took place three times in the sign of the fishes. And this conjuncture was further qualified by the fact that Mars was in its opposite to which, which is particularly characteristic of Christianity because Mars is the planet correlated with instincts. Jung says that if we accept Gerhardt's calculation, the sun was in the twins when Christ was born, which reminds one at once of the theme of the hostile brothers, especially in Egypt. Seth and Osiris. So the astrological predictions that were probably already known in antiquity all points to the double aspect. And one therefore understands how suitable the myth of Christ and the Antichrist must have seen to the contemporary astrological intellect. So, once again, when we discussed this before, the opposites. The If it's only the all-good God you know, where is the ungood God going to be acting out? In the world. That's how it's happening. So we can start to see this in a completely different way. We can see that this is a struggle for the opposites to be related to and understood, not just buried under the rug. And uh, as Young points out there is some belief that uh, Christ was a Gemini, which is, makes sense in the sense of uh, the twins, the opposites, shadow and light. Because all of this the, the mythology it, it, this always points, it hints at. It's, not, it's never literal. If we just take it flat, it has no soul in it. It has no energy in it. So There we have it with Christ as the Gemini. Okay, So Jung points out that the the eon of the fishes has been ruled by the archetype motif of the hostile brothers. So now, as we're moving towards Aquarius, we'll constellate the problem of the union of the opposites, and only the individual can solve this problem in his own process of individuation. So that's the task before us. We can certainly react to what's going on in the world. But if we want to be whole, we have to take that little piece uh, within ourselves, or whatever our individual opposite may be, because... What this When there's a tension of the opposite happening within ourselves, it is a symbol. It is a knock-knock. Who's there? It's an urge from the archetype to realize itself. And that's a very important distinction. So, once again, in alchemy, the stone, the lapis, is uh, also Christ-ish, and the astrological aspect of Christ's birth is also so directly with the story of the Magi and of an extraordinary birth and these stars that were happening, and so we again look at that as he was born as the first fish and died as the ram symbolically. Now. If we look at images, let's say of the the fish eye, that's a symbol of a still unreal, real unreal. Come on, Loren, speak. Okay, the fish eye is a symbol of a still unrealized archetype of the self that comprehends spiritual and spirituality and matter in a single mercurial nature. And one of the ways that you can Certainly, understand uh, tension of the opposites is in relationship of the anima and the animus. So, in relationships, is always this um, where couples they're, they're crucifying one another. You know, you be the person that I saw. You know the perfected person and then I don't have to do the work of my own individuation process and you can do it for me because you can carry my load and, and uh, that's when we are crucified on the cross of the anima and the animus so this is another huge hint into what is happening in our life what are we crucifying one another about whether it's male versus female uh, above versus below whatever it may be but this is probably one of the most obvious ways because the the work of relationship whether it be lovers friends frenemies enemies is all about individuation we can see the mistake in the other or worse, the holiness in the other, and then we think, well, okay, uh, then I don't have to do the work because uh, that person's going to do it for me. That's never going to work. It's never going to be. All right. So, uh, you know, we each person, it, it's our individual task, and if we're not taking up the task of individuation, which, which is the, and the woman it's the animus where is that where is the animus a positive figure and where is it just opinionated and judgmental and unrelated and within the man you know where is where is he not understanding that the anima which is the holy woman within and that the women in his life uh certain not ones who are possessed by their animus, but they can, you know, Jung knew this part excellent. Jung was surrounded by women, and he became illuminated in a a lot of uh, uh, theories and concepts that he had when he would discuss this with women because he became animated. That's where we get the word animated, uh, anima from. The feminine animates the, the world, the inner world of the man, and gets inspired. Now, if we don't feel that and we think, well, you know, it's the girls' team and the boys' team, well, we're all going to stay cyclopses with one eye. But if we recognize, and there are certain, you know, females that that, that tremendously inspire uh, the male consciousness. And men that help women become whole. But these are inner figures first. And in our relationships we need to understand we want the beloved to be perfect or the Christ figure or the individual one so that we don't have to do the work and then we start that battle. And that has been going on way too long in the history of humanity. So by just Looking at that, where am I pointing the finger? What is that? How do I perceive? And if the opposite says, no, I'm not going to do the work for you, or no, I can't do the work for you, and uh, they're right, they can't. They can help in ways that they can help, but they cannot do the work of individuation. You have to be crucified on your own cross of opposites within in order to become whole. That's why we have art. That's why we have literature. That's why we, we have a business, you know, the opposites. That's why we have uh, wars, I mean, extreme and primitive level. If that other person would just get killed, we'd be fine. Well, that motif is long gone and has never worked. But in pre-consciousness, before we knew about the archetypes, because they were developing, and these archetypes evolve. And that's what I feel so strongly, or I intuit, and I will go so far as I know, there is an evolution of the archetypes that is breaking through. They have evolved for this Aquarian age in giving us symbols and hints and people who will be able to achieve this and help others achieve it. This is really what's happening. Pay attention to what really is happening. Not all this clamoring outside. It's the clamoring inside. The archetypes have evolved and they are breaking through consciousness And certain people who are willingly going and uh, and other people, they don't care about your personality. soul does not care about your personality. It cares about becoming whole. So that's basically what is occurring in the world now for those who are ready and, you know, bidden or unbidden, it's going to be in your life. So to look at the crises and in your life and say, okay, I'm going to look at this in a different way or I'm going to at least... And for every step we make, Psyche makes a thousand towards us. So this is to bring in the Aquarian Age, which isn't going to happen for another hundred years, fully conscious, but there's breakthroughs. It's cracking itself open. And for those who want to research the astrological... Uh, uh, information, and it's in the book Ion, A-I-O-N, by C.G. Jung, and it's the sign of the fishes, that chapter, page 72 to 94, if you want to go further into that. Um, so that's it. And uh, till we meet again, there we have it, the symbol of the fish. It's looking at you. Bye-bye.